Hello, hello. This is Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back. Happy 2024. Happy New Year, beauties. Today's episode is all about skin and skin health. Now, one of the best parts about doing this show, about my job, is I get to speak to very seasoned experts, professionals, doctors, people that have studied skin and have made it their life's work to care for skin and to treat skin and to better understand skin. We live in a world where there is so much skincare information and it's coming at us from all angles and frankly, from all levels of knowledge. Now, I do think that there's tremendous value in the novice sharing what's working for them and what's not working for them. But all skin is different. And there are a lot of misconceptions about skincare. I am constantly learning and unlearning things. I've been interviewing dermatologists on this show for six years, and you are going to hear from some of those conversations. To be able to sit down with an expert for an hour and talk to them about skincare is incredible. And I know that great dermatology is often inaccessible. You may not have insurance to cover it. You may not be able to find a good dermatologist where you live. Finding a black dermatologist, I mean, that's something that I've talked about on this show a lot. It takes a lot of energy and time to find a great black dermatologist, even if you live in a major city. So this episode, you'll get to hear from some of the greatest dermatologists in the country. These are snippets from full episodes with them. So if you want to go back and find their full episodes, I will link to them in the show notes. But we really cover it all with these incredible doctors. You are going to hear from Dr. Elena Jones. She is my dermatologist. And at the time of the interview, she wasn't yet the chief dermatologist at Human Race, which as you know is Pharrell's skincare line, but she had been treating him for many years. Pharrell and I are both longtime patients of Dr. Elena Jones, and I've gone to her since I was a teenager, missing her very much here in LA, but she had so much wisdom to share on hyperpigmentation and lasers and filler and Botox. You're going to hear from Dr. Elise Love, who is a New York City board-certified dermatologist, also a Black woman. Dr. Sharina Dries, I had a chance to talk to her during the pandemic, also known as Pillow Talk Derm. Her skincare advice is incredible. If you're not following her on YouTube, definitely follow her. And, and Dr. Idris has also since launched her own skincare line. You're going to hear from Dr. Renella Hirsch, who has great metaphors and analogies and debunks a lot. It's really a phenomenal episode filled with gems. I hope that these conversations inspire you to kickstart your skincare journey. Let's get into it. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Up first, we're going to hear from Dr. Elena Jones. I wanted to be sure to ask her about hyperpigmentation because it's something that so many of us deal with, and she provides a range of solutions from prescriptions to over-the-counter 
to treatments. We really get into it all. I always love, I always love and appreciate her advice. Hyperpigmentation was one of the biggest, biggest questions that I got over and over and over again. What can be done for hyperpigmentation? What do you think is the most effective treatment? So hyperpigmentation, so first of all, in our skin, any little discoloration is magnified. Right. You know, any little, I should say, any little inflammation is magnified. Right. So really, hyperpigmentation starts with cleansing. You know, you say so you can start with a liquid exfoliator and a cleanser. You can certainly use a chemical exfoliator, like a chemical peel. Mm -hmm. So a salicylic acid peel tends to mm -hmm. be great for hyperpigmentation. Probably a little bit better than glycolic acid peels, but certainly glycolic will work as well. And then there are physical exfoliators like microdermabrasion. Mm -hmm. That certainly helps. Okay. There are lasers that help. Radiofrequency microneedling or microneedling alone sometimes. I'm help. so fascinated by microneedling. Like I think I may need to book an appointment because I have heard that it is like the results are immediate. The results are immediate, but sometimes you do need to do it more than once. You know, you, the effects to be long term. Exactly. I mean, when you leave, you certainly your skin is glowing. It looks right. amazing. It's been attacked. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's been slightly inflamed. And yeah. Slightly inflamed looks looks little, good. Yeah. Looks yeah. good. Yeah. But in terms of like topical treatments for hyperpigmentation. I mean, I've, I've used the hydroquinone to like spot treat when I had like scars and I'm so good about picking. I, if, if I see something coming, I just let it go. Like I, I don't, I just, because I know, I already know, even if I don't touch it, I could have a scar. And that's exactly right. So I'm definitely not going to touch it. Right. But you know, you get marks all the time. Mm -hmm. Do you think hydroquinone is like the most effective? I think it is one of the most effective. Okay. So you, certainly you've touched upon an important point. Do not pick. That's really rule number one. You really have to leave it alone. And that's yeah. really tough because as you said, sometimes even if you don't touch, it's still hyperpigments. Yeah. So I do tend to like hydroquinones. I mean, I use them for a short period of time. Right. And there are many different strengths of hydroquinone. You know, there's over-the-counter strength of 2%, but you can go up, you know, usually prescription strength is where I start at 4%. Okay. But you can go up to as high is 8% or 10%. You can combine it with other agents and it makes it that much more potent. Okay. And what are what are some good over-the-counter hydroquinone like that people could just get at a drugstore? Yeah, you know what? One of my favorites really tends to be Ambi. Okay. And, I, you know, the Ambi Fade Cream, I like it because it has an SPF of 30 in it. Okay. So that's also protecting the skin. Yeah. I just, I just interviewed someone who swears by that product. Yeah. It, yeah it's a, it's, it continues to be a great product. And the SPF is important because I also didn't realize that if you're not wearing sunscreen, your hyperpigmentation like intensifies, right? It like certainly dark can increase. Darker. Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So that's why number one rule is sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen every single day, at least an SPF 30. And you also need to reapply it. If you're going to be walking around, the, right. you know, the city or wherever you are, you know, between the hours of 10 and 2, you really need 10 and 3 even, you really need to reapply. That's somewhat unrealistic for some people, you know. Well, but now they make these spray on sunscreen. I mean, there's so there's been I just interviewed the president of Supergoop and she brought me like 12 different types of sunscreen. And I was like, yeah, there's really no excuse anymore. There really isn't. They're powders, powdery sunscreen. Exactly. You're right. You're right. So and and also I feel like chemical sunscreens have come so far in terms of like no white cast. And so are, do you because some people say chemical sunscreens are great, but if you want true protection, you need to do a physical. Do you physical sunscreens are certainly better? They are okay. better, and that's really where you want to go. And they're all, they're also safer. So you really want to look for your micronized titanium dioxide okay. or micronized zinc oxide. Okay, and that tends to give you less of that ashen hue. Okay, 
I've been opting for chemical sunscreen pretty much all summer because I've been using a clear one. Is that like, am I, am I doing a disservice to my skin? You're not doing a disservice okay. to your skin and we need sunscreen. Yeah. Just that, period. We, we really do. And I think that's one of the, the myths that people of color, black people, we, we just do not wear enough sunscreen. Don't think we need sunscreen. Don't think we can burn. Don't think we can get skin cancer. And we can get skin cancer. I have like very fine lines under my eyes. And I like as I've looked into it, it seems like there's not a lot that can be done. It's fillers. That's that's a really it's in the fillers? filler family. You know, you need a, a very light filler and you just you really superficially fill those lines. Mm. But, it, you know, again, that's it's a little less, you know, dangerous, but yeah. certainly there are risks. Which fillers do you recommend? You know, fillers. For, so fillers really depend on the location. OK, So under the eyes, you want to use something like Bellatero. You want to use something possibly like Restylane Silk. Okay. If you're filling in, you know, nasal labial fold lines, so the lines around the nose, you want to use something like Restylane Lift or Define or mm-hmm. Juvederm Ultra Plus. Voluma is another great one. Oh, I've seen, I've seen Voluma, for, I think maybe in your waiting rooms. <laughs> but is, is this something that young women electing to do fillers, and I now hear this term preventative Botox, where girls as young as 21 are getting Botox because I look out the wrinkles will never form if I start now. I haven't gone down this path. I'm, I'm just 30. And I feel like when I, I don't have that many lines on my forehead. To, no, you don't need to go down that. But do you, do you, are, are younger, have you found that it, as you've been practicing, younger and younger people are coming in and asking for these fillers? Certainly, mm. you know. And I real I tend to turn young women away. I mean, certainly there are women who do need it, who do right. need Botox in their 20s. Right. But that's few and far between, yeah. you know. And the, the issue of preventative Botox, you know, to be quite honest, and I hope I don't get flooded with 21 year olds looking for yeah. Botox. But I mean, there is there is something really? to be said okay. about starting earlier. But 21 <laughs> is too, you don't need yeah. it at 21, yeah. you know, you really don't, you know. Doesn't it, though, become very expensive in terms of maintenance? I mean, how much is a syringe of Botox? Right. So, right. A syringe of Botox can run you anywhere from, you know, $700, $800, depending on the doctor's office, number one. And then you have to realize that Botox doesn't last very long. Right. You have to keep it up. So every four months, depending on the person, we'll say four to seven months, you really need to come back in for your your touch-up. Yeah. What about um, like lasers and light therapy? Do you feel like those are effective for anti-aging? Certainly lasers are. And I think more and more what I'm finding is like some of the, the radio frequency microneedling is certainly helping with anti-aging. Fraxel laser helps with anti-aging. I think in terms of like IPLs, which is an intense pulse light, skin of color, black skin, that's not for us. We should mm, okay, good to know. Good to know. And what are the lights doing? Like, I guess I just don't even understand it on a scientific level. Like, right. what is happening? Right. So on a scientific level, they're actually generating new collagen, you know, by, by disrupting the skin, it's generating new collagen deep. That new collagen is really what's going to help to keep us looking younger. Interesting. So I know, I feel like I, I came back to you with so much intention before my wedding, because a lot of women before their wedding are like, I'm going to be photographed from every angle and I want to look amazing. What are like, if you have a big event or something that you know a lot of people are going to be looking at you, like what's the one treatment that you think makes a, a big difference? And I also know you have to be careful. Like you can't get a chemical peel before it, you're a big thing because you're going to be peeling and it's going to be a mess. 
Yeah, so that's where I like microdermabrasion. You know, okay. there's a microdermabrasion machine that we have called Silk Peel. What's nice about it is it infuses either a vitamin C or like a hyaluronic acid or so something hydrating or something and for hyperpigmentation. So that's something where you see immediate results. You get a, an immediate glow because you're it's really exfoliating that skin. In addition, you're adding in some sort of, you know, serum. Up next, we're going to hear from Dr. Renella. And what I think is so great about the way she educates around skincare is she uses a lot of metaphors and analogies. So many of us, myself included, can get really hung up on certain ingredients, right? Like these are categorically bad ingredients or these ingredients are categorically good. And she really paints a much more nuanced full picture of the way you should be thinking about skincare and also how important the delivery vehicle for that skincare is. And I'm going to share a personal example with you all to illustrate this. When I first started using retinol, I was using a gel-based retinol. It's a prescription. It was called Atrolin. And I broke out. I was like, oh, this is the retinol purge, but my skin was really suffering. I went to my dermatologist and I got prescribed a lotion-based retinol. My skin is on the drier side. I got Altrino. That's the lotion-based retinol. Never had any problems. My skin thrived. It was happy. And you'll hear Dr. Ranella speak to this, right? The delivery method is sometimes as important as the ingredients. Let's get into our conversation. When we're perusing, you know, Sephora, Ulta, when we're looking at the skincare aisles and we see all of these different products, or let's just take a cleanser, for example, like what types of ingredients should we be looking for in skincare and what ingredients should we avoid? So I don't know that there's any specific overriding pull of avoid. That's very independent person. Things that work with your skin or don't. I mean, if you have more dry skin, you probably want something more hydrating. It's going to help you restore that moisture. If you're someone who's more oily, you probably want to tweak that as well. In terms of the actual product itself, it really comes down to more than anything else preference in terms of just finding things that work for your skin type, which has a lot less to do, believe it or not, with the primary ingredient and a lot more to do with the vehicle that you're choosing. Specifically, someone with oilier skin might like to look for something with a gel that might help to attract and work with that oil, whereas someone with dry skin might like something more moisturizing. But the actual core of the product is surprisingly not as difficult as people think. That's very interesting. So it's, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, focus so much on ingredients, but you're right, that texture and the delivery is very important. In terms of, you said like if you have dry skin to avoid certain things, like when I see alcohol on things, I tend to avoid. Is that the correct thing to do? Yeah, alcohol has this really unfortunately bad rap that it really doesn't deserve. I think what gets, what happens is, and especially in, I'm relatively new to the world of social media and I've sort of learned sort of the language a little bit. And, you know, you learn very quickly nuggets are kind of the, the currency of language in that environment. And, and, you know, things get very, very simplified. Alcohol actually serves quite a number of purposes. There are alcohols, yes, that can be quite dry, but there are actually alcohols that can serve the exact opposite purpose. And even as a greater overriding phenomenon, the rule of thumb is an ingredient is not a formula made. If you see one ingredient, almost never is that a reason just on its face, you need to throw away the entire thing. Mm. And that's a common misconception. It doesn't work that way in the same way that you could use, let's say, honey in something very savory if you were making a dish or something very sweet. And it's the same honey. So it's the same sort of principle. You really have to look at 
you know, the company, it's key thing. That's critical. Wow. My mind is being blown right now because that honey analogy makes perfect sense. So for people that are like, I don't like skincare with fragrance in it or with parabens, you're saying that those ingredients on their own may not be an issue. Yeah. So I'm going to particularly attach to the two you just mentioned because they're specifically interesting. Yes to what you said for almost any ingredient. I mean, if anyone needs a press agent, it's fragrance because it just is like beaten upon no exactly. end. Exactly. And, and I, I'm sorry to, to pause you there only because I will rec- So one, I like a lot of natural oils and a lot of them use fragrances and people will be like, oh, I love that. But there's fragrance in it, like as if it's this horrible thing. And I'm like, and my skin, to be honest, is on the more sensitive side. And I'm fine with a lot of fragrances. And one thing with fragrance will be fine. Another thing with fragrance won't be fine. Something with that's fragrance free will break me out. But people hate fragrance. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Continue. Not at all. You, you tell the perfect story, which is that even someone with sensitive skin like you, it's not at all over blanket ingredient ruling like no fragrance. First of all, most importantly, right, which isn't a monolith. This idea that fragrance is sort of one big thing. Fragrance is thousands and thousands of thousands of different components. So when you say I'm allergic to fragrance, what does that mean? I mean, it's like saying I'm allergic to, you know, food. It's a category. It's not a, you know, specific. So the rule of thumb with fragrance is, and I think part of the blame definitely comes from people in my, my world. Because look, when we see people who have irritation or disorders where the barrier is in trouble or they're having problems with inflammation. Not using fragrance, generally speaking, is a good idea as just kind of a starting point. So when you start asking dermatologists, that's probably what you're going to hear. But it doesn't represent everybody. It represents very much a skewed subset or the people that we would encounter in progress. Like I, someone with eczema or... Precisely, precisely. And that doesn't even mean that someone with eczema couldn't handle certain fragrances. I want to go back to something you said earlier around if you have oily skin, maybe you want a gel. If you have drier skin, maybe you want a cream. In terms of different ways of thinking about like textures in your products, how have you kind of helped either your patients or people that you educate through on social media figure out what are the right products for my skin type? So. We have a name for it. So in my office, I have lots of things I say over and over again, and they're called Rinellaisms. And the answer I have for this is the Rinella Raider. And I basically made a little drawing. It's all over my Instagram too. And it basically just speaks to the opposing way you want to think of skincare. When do you identify the active ingredients that work for you? And we can talk more about that. The thing you're really changing up more than anything else is the vehicle. And here's how I explain it to patients. So like you, I have little people at the house. So when I go to New York, sometimes, you know, if I'm going to do sides or media day, you know, I'll fly because I'm wearing big shoes. I don't want to deal with it. Sometimes if I'm giving a talk to colleagues, I'll take the train so I have a few hours to work on a presentation. If I'm taking small people, it'd be remarkable amounts of luggage that they come with. Then I might drive because we're visiting, you know, my family or what have you. Notice that in each of those cases, I get to New York. And what is changing is the vehicle. Skincare is a perfect parallel. And by that, I mean, if you have an active that you like very, very much, you can usually find it in a cream form, a lotion form, a serum form, a gel form, 
often these days a foaming form. And what happens is that spectrum really collides very nicely with skin types. So for example, if you're someone who is very, very dry, you really want that rich, rich cream as a delivery system with your act. If you're someone who's kind of a little more combination skin, you might want one of the gel hybrids that really give you a little bit of moisture, but not that heaviness for where you're oily. If you're oily, you might want something with a more of a gel consistency for that drying effect. And they work very much in and parallel to each other. And you could also piggyback on this for seasonal changes. I realize that from a marketing perspective, we're told to, you know, whip it out and change everything every October, every February. You're not. What you really need to tweak are one or two small things. And again, it's the vehicle. It really isn't the actives that are working for you. That's very helpful to hear. I was so excited to be able to talk to Dr. Love, who has since become a mom since this episode. Congratulations, Dr. Love about what are the basics? How do we think about having a really effective skincare routine? What are the things that we need? What might we be overlooking? And she really doubles down on vitamin C and why vitamin C is so important for your skincare routine and what it does for you, as well as what are the parts of your skincare routine that you really don't need to have. Now, I love products. I love products. I love having all the skincare things, but you don't need a lot of things. You really need to pare back your routine and focus on the basics. And that's what she speaks to. Dr. Love, what's your philosophy around skincare? So yeah, my philosophy on skincare is that it's really not that difficult and it really should be simple. It should be fun and it should be easy. It should be something that we approach with enjoyment as a way that we take care of ourselves, but it shouldn't be something that you feel like you have to have a chemistry degree or you feel like you have to spend hours and hours on the internet to properly figure out. And so Everything that I do is, especially when I see my patients, is trying to reassure them that they can like throw out half of the stuff that they're doing and they can simplify their routine. So much of what we see on our skin is related to stress. Not everything. Stress isn't the answer. Like stress doesn't cause everything. But so much of what you can do for your skin is paying attention to your diet, being physically active, moving, spending time with family, having that glass of wine with like people that you care about. All of those things are important for your skin and probably more important than doing seven or eight skincare products a night. As as a product junkie, that's a harsh <laughs> reality that I just need to embrace. But it's true. It's true. If, if people want to really pare down their routine, what are like the three or four products that you think everyone needs to have in, in a good skincare routine? Yeah. So I think a gentle but effective cleanser is essential. I'm, I think that that's probably the most underrated thing within a routine. I think SPF is important. An SPF 30 that you wear on every single day and then maybe an SPF 50 or 70, depending on what your skin type is, that you wear on high sun exposure days. A retinol or retinoid or retinol alternative like Bacuchiol to kind of slow that natural process that causes us to age over the years. And then an antioxidant such as vitamin C to kind of reverse some of the effects of living and urban environment. So reversing the effects of sun and reversing the effects of pollution. Those like those are the keys. Okay. I didn't hear eye cream. I didn't hear a liquid exfoliant. I didn't hear an essence. I didn't hear a lot of stuff that we spend time doing, but you don't need it. You don't need it. Yeah, exactly. That's great. I see vitamin C comes up quite a lot with 
you know, skincare concerns around hyperpigmentation, why was it important to create a vitamin C serum? Yeah, so vitamin C is does everything. In terms of the problems it's trying to address and the audience that it's addressing it for, vitamin C is really kind of the gold standard, and that's for two reasons. One is when we talk about pollution, one of the things that pollution does is that it creates oxidative stress. And so oxidative stress leads to or premature aging, as well as probably other additional skin concerns. And so vitamin C is an antioxidant, so it can help neutralize that oxidative stress. The second thing is pollution is a mild skin irritant. And so there's data to show that pollution can actually worsen disorders of pigmentation. Like if you look at melasma, melasma can can be worsened even without sun in a high pollution environment. And so vitamin C is also really helpful for regulating pigment production. And it can mildly, if formulated correctly, it can mildly help to decrease hyperpigmentation. And so for that reason, the fact that it decreases oxidative stress from the sun, from UV exposure and pollution, and because it also helps to improve hyperpigmentation, it's really kind of one of the gold standards of products that I think people should have in their routine. And last but not least, Dr. Shireen Idris, a lot of skincare companies, and this was true when we recorded this episode back in 2021. But a lot of skincare companies are going beyond the face. They're focusing on the scalp. They're focusing on body care. And I was really curious to get her point of view as a dermatologist about how she thinks about all of that body care and scalp care. I feel like I've noticed that scalp scrubs have become really popular. I don't know if you've seen lots of these like kind of discussions Mm -hmm. about scalp. As a dermatologist, do you think that these products are really necessary? A scalp scrub is almost like a facial scrub, like the physical exfoliants. Mm-hmm. I think if you have underlying issues like psoriasis, really bad dandruff, active acne, even like folliculitis on your scalp, you just want to be a little bit careful because you can definitely make inflammation worse. So even though like it might, you know, fulfill an itch, an OCD tendency of feeling like I'm going to scrub it and it's going to feel smooth, it might actually make things worse as a result. So I think approach with caution. I also think with scalp scrubs, People can be overdoing it and causing a lot of hair breakage. So I would just be a little careful. However, I think there is a place for them, especially in quarantine, in the sense that if people are getting lazy and like just using a lot of dry shampoo, yeah. um, that's, that stuff accumulates and builds up. And so I think scalp scrubs like once a week to kind of really, you know, if you have a healthy scalp in general, and then a bad idea if you're doing it not so vigorously to help kind of, you know, debulk your scalp of all of that stuff, you know, whether it's dry shampoo or products or whatever you're doing to your scalp in this time or not in this time. There also seems to be this kind of surge in like brands and products that are encouraging people to treat the rest of their skin like they would treat their face, like with the same diligence. I'm thinking about Necessaire and all of their like body care products. What's your take on this? Do you think it's kind of marketing buzz or is it something that's like long overdue? The U.S., I feel... American culture, at least, has been behind the curve compared to other cultures when it comes to skincare. So for like a long time, Americans would just care about makeup, not really caring about fixing the foundation of their skin, unlike Europeans or like, you know, you know, like Asian cultures. So I think now Americans are understanding that I need to take care of my skin. And so it started with the face. And I feel like it's slowly expanding into the neck and chest area. But I think the next frontier is probably going to be body. Now, is it going to be to the same extent that people treat their face, neck and chest? 
I don't think so. I think if it reaches that, then I think that's going to be more marketing more than anything and kind of unnecessary. I think with body, it should really be targeted towards problems that people have that make them feel insecure. You know, that they're trying to help themselves in a way, you know, not so much for the world to see like their faces on display, but for themselves to feel, you know, better about themselves and to help themselves, you know, overcome insecurities. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you think about kind of like, I feel like I've seen more AHAs or BHAs in body care products like lotions. Do you Mm -hmm. think that's something that's worth looking into? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, like why not, you know? It's always a good idea to kind of exfoliate lightly to kind of make sure that you're allowing your skin to like renew itself better, to boost collagen. And if it's, you know, stable enough to last on a shelf in those type of quantities, then, you know, definitely worth like playing around with a little bit. But the body's a little different than the face in the sense that your skin is thicker. So you don't need as much. You don't need as much of like, it doesn't have to be so delicate as it is with skincare for the face, neck and chest, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, that was today's episode all about skin health from incredible dermatologists who I so admire and respect. I'm so grateful that they share their time and impart their wisdom with us, the Naked Beauty community. I love learning that there really aren't any absolutes, but the key to improving your skincare routine really is understanding. The more you can understand about your skin, the better purchasing decisions you're going to make, the better decisions you're going to make about your routine. I am 100% doubling down on my skincare routine this year, being super diligent about it, and really committing myself to learning and unlearning at every opportunity I can. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will be back next week with a new episode. And if you love skincare-specific topics, We are going to have a lot more experts on in 2024, so I'm excited to continue growing on this journey with you all. Let me know. Hit me up. DM me, Naked Beauty Planet. You can DM me on Brooke DeVard. You can email me at nakedbeautypodcast at gmail.com and let me know what skincare topics you'd like us to go deeper on this year. Thank you so much for listening. Rate and review if you have time. Subscribe to the podcast. I so appreciate the support. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.